Hey everyone, it's Stephanie from True Crime Anonymous. I just want to tell you about this app called Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it is everything you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. True Crime Anonymous may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone and welcome back to True Crime Anonymous. Today is Monday and at True Crime Anonymous, Mondays mean mass murder monday which doesn't mean like mass murder like mass murder it means (laughs) mass murder like massachusetts murder monday i like how i got creative with that good stuff okay so today's case warning is extremely gruesome and violent and if you are like sensitive stomached or I don't know which you're probably not otherwise you wouldn't be here I don't think but if you are I will catch you in the next episode but for now this edition of Mass Murder Monday is going to be taking place in Framingham, Massachusetts. And we're going to be talking about Richard and Laura Rosenthal. Here we go. Richard and Laura met at their job in the late 1980s and were married by 1991. They had the same friends and co-workers and their marriage had quickly become less than perfect and it showed since they had the same circle of friends they all pretty much knew everything there was also more than one occasion that laura had shown up to work with a black eye in 1990 even before they were married when she used the excuse that she had walked into a door so she had like a black eye and said she walked into a door so if you walked into a door the first thing you're gonna hit is either your big ass nose or your forehead not your eye doesn't make sense so everyone knew that it was kind of like an excuse and In 1993, she came in with a black eye and a bruised cheek, 
and this time she said that she just straight fell on her face again though if you're falling you're gonna put your arms out to brace yourself you're not gonna fall and just have your head hit the ground like it doesn't usually work like that unless you're being pushed or whatever so her co-workers and friends to really notice that she was already using excuses like nobody if if your boyfriend's punching you in the face and you're going and using these excuses just know that nobody believes you still though the couple liked the finer things in life and they bought a house a big one that was only a few years old and this was on Garvey Road in Framingham Massachusetts and they paid around three hundred thousand dollars for this house four bedrooms two and a half bathrooms three thousand square feet and in 2019 money that's a seven hundred thousand dollar home but Richard had total control of everything. He had to have full control of their finances. If he was going away on business, she had to ask him for money. And if she didn't, she wouldn't have any money until he returned. And she had better have hoped it didn't get cold when he was gone because she wasn't even allowed to touch the freaking thermostat at all still with all the control and abuse came a pregnancy however on February 18th 1994 Laura gave birth prematurely and the baby died only a few hours after due to fluid around the heart and around the lungs. The couple had a really hard time with depression after that, naturally. It's a really hard thing to deal with. Richard, however, started to become obsessed by it. But, just one year later in 1995, a healthy baby girl named Marla Kate Rosenthal. Laura had stopped working as soon as she found out she was pregnant. She wanted to get as much rest as she possibly could, make sure that she was as rested as possible, taking care of herself. Uh, that way she could hopefully deliver a healthy baby. And she could definitely afford to stop working as her husband had an income of nearly $100,000 as Director of Acquisitions and Disposal. And on top of the $100,000 were bonuses. Unspecified, but I'm sure they were great. And she worked at the same company, so I can imagine that... Um, with their combined income, they were living more than good. Um, because just with his income, they were living more than good. 
But this baby did not bring the joy you would think it would after losing a baby. Richard was still obsessed with the loss of their last child, and he straight ignored their daughter. He treated her like shit, basically. And obviously this created tons of tension in their marriage. Laura became angry with Richard because of his treatment of the baby. Like naturally, she started to resent him, you know. Um, first she gets treated like crap and now her baby is getting treated like crap. Like what? Ugh. Laura had tried to go back to work and put baby Marla in daycare, but Richard did not want Laura at work anymore and did not want his baby in daycare. So after two weeks, she left. And she said it was because of, quote, family issues. Uh, yeah, like family issues in that her husband was a douche probably I'm I'm just just taking a wild guess here on the late afternoon of August 28th 1995 Richard decided that he was gonna make dinner that night he was gonna make baked ziti cool Richard had started dinner, got a phone call, you know, walking around on his cell phone, ended up like walking onto the, into the backyard on the phone, just totally wrapped up in this business call. And when he realized, uh, when he remembered that he had baked ziti cooking in the oven he ran into the kitchen the smoke alarm was blaring and Laura comes like running into the kitchen waving a towel up at the smoke detector all while screaming at him for waking the baby and burning the shit out of the freaking baked ziti come on it's baked ziti not burnt ziti you just woke up the baby that you don't even care about. You're probably not going to put her back to bed. Like, freaking douche nozzle. What Can you do anything right? What is wrong with you? Like, I can just imagine how this was going in my head. <laughs> and... She just had become so resentful and angry with Richard because of his treatment of her and now the baby and now burning the freaking big ziti the one night that he decided to do anything but while in the middle of yelling at Richard something just snapped in him he had enough Laura had to go he charged toward her and put his hands around her neck and strangled the life out of her until she lay limp. And thank goodness that child was sleeping because Richard had big plans for Laura. Richard grabbed some knives and dragged Laura out to the backyard. 
He grabbed a rock and just started smashing the rock into her face with such force that her face was unrecognizable. But that wasn't enough. He grabbed the knife that he got from the kitchen and he cut her open from throat to navel. He then opened her up and removed all of her organs, including her heart and lungs. He then grabbed long sticks from the yard and sharpened one end of each stick. Richard took the sharpened end of the stick and stabbed each organ, one stick for each organ. He had her heart and lungs on wooden stakes in his backyard. After that, he dragged what was left of poor Laura and threw her into the bushes at the back of the house, back of the backyard and covered her up with some pieces of sticks and brush and scraps of the backyard. Richard went back inside, took a shower, put his bloody clothes in a plastic bag and grabbed their four-and-a-half-month-old baby and put her and his bloody clothes into the car. He drove around aimlessly and ended up in Marlboro, Massachusetts, which is only about 10-15 minutes away from Framingham, but was driving around for hours and eventually ended up in someone's driveway, just ranting and raving about gun control and this and that and the other thing. And... The people whose driveway he was in were like obviously freaked out. Some guy with an infant still in, still semi-bloody talking about gun control in the middle of the freaking night. It'd be more than weirded out to you. So these people called the police. And then when the police arrived... They offered to help him before administering his Miranda rights and told him that the sooner he told police what was going on, the sooner he could go home. Richard replied, quote, I'm driving around to cool off. I had an argument. I had a fight. I did a terrible thing. I'm having marital problems and... <sighs> The police are flashing a flashlight in the back of the car and discover that he's got a baby and see a big, clear plastic bag of bloody clothes. And they put him into handcuffs and read him his Miranda rights. All while police dispatch other officers to the Rosenthal home on Garvey Road in Framingham. And what they found when they got into the backyard would leave them with nightmares for years to come. It was reported that there was so much blood throughout the entire yard that they considered hosing it down with fire hoses to wash all the blood away. Because they didn't know how else to clean up this amount of blood. They couldn't believe that there was only one person dead because there was so much blood. The grass was no longer green. It was red. All of it. And they had an acre of property. So I I can't 
I can't imagine. In the rear of the yard, they found an unidentifiable female that had been completely mutilated and had her face beaten up so badly they couldn't actually tell if this was Laura Rosenthal or not, and actually referred to her as Jane Doe initially. Framingham police interviewed the neighbors, and they all were beyond shocked and horrified and terrified and scared. But they said that Richard was a quiet, almost reclusive man who they only saw sometimes as he accompanied his, accompanied his wife as she pushed their daughter in their stroller. They described them as a nice couple who kept to themselves. No one had seen her since at least early the day before. Police had already suspected this was Laura, but they just had to check anyway, I guess. Richard was arraigned in Framingham District Court the next day, which was August 29th, 1995. Richard pleaded innocent by reason of insanity. Judge Paul Healy ordered him to a state mental hospital for an evaluation. He had no prior criminal history, but because of the gruesome murder, he was held without bail. Thank God. <clears throat> Priscilla Hoffning talked with Richard for over an hour. She was the psychologist the judge had ordered him to be evaluated by. She had said he appeared logical, direct, and rational, but exhibited a flat reaction to killing Laura and would refer to her <laughs> refer to her <laughs> refer to her as the unknown victim when he talked about what happened he had also asked quote is this a big case end quote you think richard also claimed laura Laura was an enemy alien vampire, part of, part of an invasion, and that he was essentially defending himself. The alien delusion explained why, in his mind, why he ritualistically removed her vital organs and placed them on top of 18-inch stakes to assure the alien was really dead. He claimed that during all of this he encountered a dead rat and it was supernatural and that it was a sign of prophecy. Okay, sounds to me like he had watched a few too many cheesy alien horror movies. I swear, this is a real case. I'm not, I'm, I'm not just, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of this if I tried. And yeah. On September 28, 1995, Middlesex Grand Jury indicted Rosenthal. Dr. Hoffning said Richard understood he was being charged with murder and concluded, quote, While appearing generally competent, there were some observations that raised doubt, end quote, and that, quote, there was a possibility of mental illness, end quote. Really? <laughs> you really doubted that? <laughs> 
During the trial, prosecution procured witnesses that said Laura had been abused and shown up to and had shown up to work a few on a few occasions, once in 1990 and once in 1993, and that there was a pattern of abuse that was developing. And on November 7th, 1996, the jury rejected Richard Rosenthal's insanity defense. He was found criminally responsible and was found guilty of murder in the first degree. He was given the sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Laura's mother was satisfied with the outcome. And so was her sister, Vanita Shaw and Shari Patrick, which was her mother and um, her mother is Vanita and the sister was Shari. Um, you know, they were both okay with the outcome. Massachusetts doesn't have a death penalty, so they would take life in prison with no parole. Um, I mean, they were as satisfied as they could be with the outcome of this horrible, gruesome murder of their daughter and sister. Richard's father, Irving Rosenthal, said, quote, My son is mentally ill. Mentally ill. And I really think the jury missed the boat on this one. End quote. I don't know if he was mentally ill or just came up with the craziest story in the whole land to make people think he was sick or... I don't know. I don't know what this was, but it wasn't good. Um, and the jury and the judge had the say, and they say, go away. <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> um, Laura's mother, Vanita Shaw, has... Laura and Richard's daughter and someday she's gonna eventually find out what her dad did to her mom and it's so sad I don't know how I would take that news um, to have a mother who had passed away at my own father's hand it would just blow my mind and it's just so sad, but I just hope she has a good upbringing and is loved because she really deserves it. And that is the case for Mass Murder Monday. That was a doozy, right? Like, that was a gross one. It was really just nasty. And... I had no idea about this case. Never heard of it. I can't believe it. I was kind of shocked when I discovered this when I was doing research. I was like, are you kidding me? How come? But, I mean, I was only like 11. No, 9. I was 9 when this happened. Something like that. I was young, so I, I guess it makes sense. But 
Happy Mass Murder Monday, people. I hope you all have a great Halloween. Because Halloween is before the next Mass Murder Monday. So, I figured I would do a really gross one before Halloween for you guys. Um, right now, we're like almost at 500 listens. Like, we went from 400 to 500 super fast. Like, it's going to be less than two days by the time we hit 500 listens. And it's showing me that I have listeners all over the world. I just, I am like speechless because of this. And I just want to thank you all so much for listening to me. Tell you guys story of, stories of dead people and missing people and bad people. And, you know, there's so many true crime podcasts, but you decided to click on mine and that means so much to me and I will be putting out and we will be putting out another episode in a few days and I think not sure yet I think next Monday someone else from True Crime Anonymous will be doing their first Mass Murder Monday not positive but maybe maybe you guys are in for a special treat but as I do with every little milestone we hit once we hit 500 uh, 500 listens I will read you guys another story so every hundred you know every big milestone so 500 I'll read you guys a story then once we hit a thousand I'll read you guys another story even better so the surprises or the treats or rewards whatever you want to call them will get better with you know the bigger milestones we hit longest outro ever but thank you guys so much stay safe and stay alive on this Halloween don't hurt anybody or yourself and have a great night everyone happy mass murder Monday